Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. As president of Custom, the in-house content agency at Digiday Media, James O'Brien manages a team of writers, editors, and producers across a range of client projects, including reports, videos, podcasts, onstage interviews, and graphic design. Custom supports its clients' content marketing efforts in sectors such as publishing, advertising, ad tech, martech, beauty, fashion, luxury, retail, business management, and business strategy. Starting in the 2010s, James served in formative consultative editorial roles for content marketing vanguards such as Contently and NewsCred as they redeveloped and redefined the market. He has also consulted for project development teams at DreamWorks and Microsoft. For three years, he led content marketing and executive thought leadership for The Verve in the ad tech space, working in-house and securing all organic media placements. James has also been a statewide stringer for the Boston Globe, including Page One Stories. James holds a master's and a PhD in editorial studies. His dissertation focuses on unpublished writings by Bob Dylan. James hosts a podcast, All Your Days, which focuses on how creative careers transform over time. And in 2022, he was an editorial consultant on the forthcoming authorized documentary about the artist Catherine E. Coulson. James is a musician. He has 15 albums, and he's also a filmmaker. His documentary on Bob Dylan's unpublished writings is part of the artist's archive in Tulsa. James, thank you so much for being with me. I really appreciate it. You are, I believe, the first PhD to come on as a guest. So, Dr. James O'Brien, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, you know, I I work in a space where the PhD isn't as common as the MBA. And uh, sometimes I I wonder if uh, there's a reason for that. But uh, what a ride the PhD is, I'll tell you that. Uh, I can't speak for how people come out of MBAs, but I came out of my PhD with a little PTSD. And that's been a couple of years in the unwinding. So I, I went to I went to marketing to uh, to recover. Well, if you listen to Bob Dylan's entire catalog, that will last you the length of a PhD program, I think. So at least you have some <laughs> symmetry there on that. So I'm grateful to you for the time today. I'm really excited to be speaking with you about what it means to run custom. And so maybe we could just start there. You know. In the bio, there's writers, there's editors, there's producers. We're creating live stuff and on-demand stuff across different formats. Can you talk a little bit more specifically about you know, some of the, the customer conversations and executions that you're doing and what brands are looking for right now in custom content? Yeah. You know, the most important thing, uh, the two words that you just said, customer conversation. So that's what it's like to work with the team at Custom at Digiday Media, everything is about that conversation. And it's obviously tracking and following industry-wide trends. Those conversations recently are about retail media networks. Recently, they're, well, perennially, they're about first-party data, contextual targeting, the death of the cookie, right? Those are all in there. But the deeper conversation and the thing that is individual to every client that our team gets to work with is finding that space in between. There's a story that we might never have told that they bring to us. There's a way that we're going to tell that story that their marketing team would not have started with. And having that conversation 30, 45, 60, 90 days, with some of our clients' years, uh, the ability to learn and teach is, well, it's as, it's as, as, available as getting a PhD. You're getting a PhD in client experience uh, when you work at custom. 
And uh, I hadn't thought of that before, but I think it's true. I definitely over the past two and a half years have been earning my PhD in building and nurturing client experiences around sponsored content and making that happen in a way that's really sound editorially, but really effective promotionally. And uh, I guess I'd like to, I'll have to ask them, but sometimes I think my team probably feels like they're getting a PhD in client experience as well. And so when you are in conversation with your customers, you know, they're offered a whole suite of solutions as part of that conversation, I imagine. Here are the ways that we can help you and amplify your story and tell new forms of stories. That discovery process when you're talking to someone, you know, they're looking to drive awareness of their product, I imagine. But how do you think about sort of moving their customers through their own funnels as part of an engagement around original branded content? Is there sort of an unlock that you've been able to foster with those client partners of yours that help facilitate that? That's a really good question. Look, the answer is there are a couple of balances to the answer, right? So one thing they're looking for is just the straight up transactional success of the campaign, right? They need to know that they're going to either achieve a number of leads from downloads and gated registrations or that they're going to do that plus achieve some brand awareness that can be measured by different kinds of metrics. We all know what they are. That's one valence. But in my experience of listening to and talking with our clients and working with the team on the things that they are up to, I really believe that the unlock is when a team understands that a content marketing shop, an agency like Custom, can make it clear that this sponsor matters to the conversation that's underway out in the industry. Whatever we do in terms of driving leads and page views, that's a function of promotion. I always remind my team, like nobody gets to read the guide before they download it. So it's the promotion that drives the, the, the promotion and the topic that drives the performance of the thing. But then once that thing is downloaded, a very different relationship between content and the, the reader unfolds. And that is, they will open it and absorb it in some way, shape, or form, whether they're reading it or watching it or listening to it. If they begin to feel that the presenter's subject matter experts and the presenter's partners are saying something that matters when it comes to the challenges and the problems that they're trying to solve on their own teams, not only will they remember that material, and potentially go back to their teams and say, are we doing this? This seems to matter. But at the other end of the cycle, when the salesperson comes along and says, Brian, thank you for for downloading our our tactics and insights guide. Um, How are you doing with those things? And are there any that are clearly missing from your portfolio or ones that are almost there but need a nudge? And how can I help you? If the person who has that material is aware that they feel this matters, that's a good conversation. That's a very different conversation than hey, it was okay. It was, you know, it's nice thought leadership. Read in your bio that you're creating podcasts. We are on a podcast now. So I do want to talk about the format because in many ways, I believe that audio is the ultimate thought leadership format. Are you creating podcasts as part of your work? I am assuming that it's a, a tactic that is used, but what are the conversations that you've been having over the last few years about the format in particular? Because we are seeing more and more brands get into the space. Is there acceleration on the creation on your side? Or is that just sort of being perceived of by other parties outside of it who are saying, hey, yeah, we should create a podcast? So I joined Digiday Media 
in customs, specifically the in-house agency within it, in January of 2020. And the only reason that anyone could have a conversation about podcasts as a sponsored content offering is due to the fact that our editors, our journalists, had done such an incredible job of building a series of four robust editorial podcasts with audiences that existed, that were in place. And prior to my arrival at the company, uh, the vision of the business leadership was we can offer advertising in this, but not just a pre-roll read and a mid-roll read, which is fine, very easy to absorb and non-intrusive as far as I'm concerned. But we could also, the thought was before I got there, create a four or so minute mini story that sounds just as editorially native as the material that the journalists are making around it within the podcast episode. No, we had not sold these to any extent, any really measurable extent, as I understood it in January of 2020. It was there on the on the sales sheet. And I was fascinated with the idea because I happen to like podcasts and I also happen to have some experience with microphones and editing, making things out of sound. And I thought, boy, this would be fun. So around the fall of 2020, as we kind of locked into the horrific new normal that we had to deal with and the change started to become a groove of some kind, um, we said to that, I, there were a couple of salespeople that we were, I was talking to and I said, we got to start selling these. And as I remember it, the sentiment was, you're right, we do, but they always ask us, how do you measure this thing? And what do I get for a return? And so we had to really make sure that we had a story to tell about how this is, um, A, this is going to be super shiny. This is not going to be uh, an interview that we just drop in. This is going to be a narrated, constructed uh, tale, usually based around a, a sponsor's case study or a solution that they've brought to a particular problem with a particular partner. And our producers are going to narrate it the way that you'd expect like a national public radio podcast host to narrate in between pieces and then a guest appears and says something very pithy or important or or moving and then the narrator comes back and says you know uh, and then the next day uh we discovered that this had all been correct and we had so, so when we unlocked the format and could speak through that format to our prospects what we saw happen was the first question was no longer, yeah, yeah, how do I measure this thing? It was, how do I get involved in that? Because there is where an executive, where a, where a true thought leader, where a, a practitioner is going to shine. And uh, we made one. The first one we made was with, um, might have been Viacom. We made it with, a, it was a television leader. And it was amazing to hear it come to life and lay the music bed under it and have the bits come to life that the producer made to go with the interview segments we used. And when we played it for them, they were thrilled. And we then had the example of what this could be. This could be a place where, let's say, Brian, you and I are working on uh, a long-form report. A lot of interviews go into it. We're recording all those interviews. 
at the other side of that report coming out and that lead generation campaign beginning, there is such an opportunity for something really premium like this podcast, interstitial story, to emerge and point back to the report, bring pieces of the report to life that were touched upon, go a little deeper. It just became a complement and a supplement to everything else we did. And I'll tell you, by the beginning of the summer of the next year, which was 2021, the Digiday podcast, Interstitial Inventory, was sold out for the year. Sold out. Had to wait till 2022 if you wanted to get into our podcast, Interstitial queue. And uh, we're already clear through quarter one, I believe, in terms of selling out 2023 right now. So it's, it's a format that I think transforms the experience of the exec into something that's of the, of the, of the expert into something that's supremely supported by a team of producers that have just spent 30 or 60 days learning what you do and how you do it and why it matters. And then we present it in this, unlike me right now, very succinct and, and polished moment of narrative storytelling and, uh, you get kicked to by our editor, you know, and now I'll go to a, a, a second story with our sponsor. And then I kick back to the editor or the producer doing the voiceover kicks back to the editor and now back to the glossy podcast and now back to the Digiday podcast. And uh, you couldn't get more editorial than that. I mean, if you, if you were listening, we pointed out clearly that this is sponsored, but if you were listening and uh, taking care of some business, you wouldn't notice a change in the way that this sounds or feels whatsoever. It sounds and feels like news and analysis the whole way through. That's awesome. And I, I love the idea of taking a case study or taking some sort of white paper and translating that into a story in audio. I've seen many examples of taking sort of like a white paper and just narrating it, right? But turning it into an actual story is, is really compelling. And just, just so that I understand a little bit better, the idea is that you have these four podcasts that are hosted by journalists and you have commercial inventory and then you are then creating like a four or five minute piece of content that might run as a mid-roll in the existing content is that right yeah you got a little teaser at the beginning the sponsored portion of the podcast does live in the mid-roll but then at the very beginning when the when the whole podcast episode begins it cold opens on our sponsors experts saying the most interesting thing from the mid-roll segment. And then our producer follows up on that soundbite saying, that was Brian Landau from The Drip. And we're talking with him later in the podcast about why podcast interstitial stories have worked so well for the clients at Digital Media. Okay. And then it goes to the, to the journalist and about 15 or 20 minutes later, about the center of the podcast, the journalist will kick to the sponsored segment and then we'll kick back to the journalist. Joke is on your producer because Brian Landau of The Drip has never said anything interesting or of value to business audiences. So shitty interstitial, sorry guys. Hey, so the day is long. <laughs> we have time yet. Uh, I, have, I have life ahead of me. So this question about defining success and measurement you know, podcasts are famously data poor. We still are using downloads for the most part as a way to measure audience. Is that just sort of the metric as far as saying, look, we're going to create this incredible piece of content. It is immersive and you will get X number of downloads because that is what that given show delivers on a per, that's the media part of it. I'm pretty sure that's endemic to the entire industry. 
what you've yes. just described. It, yes. it, I, I, I do this a little bit and uh, there are different ways to attach more of a performance metric to this. And there are certain activations and advertisers for whom that's entirely appropriate. And we know what kind of industries they're in. And it's, it's generally, you know, some sort of good, some sort of product that you can get a code for and, and go do your thing. Uh, and I think it's important to measure these things. I think it's crucial to, to be able to say uh, this, there's a certain benchmark, a certain threshold, a certain floor here. Uh, it is downloads. And um, that always brings me back to what are you trying to do? So whether it's a podcast or it's linear TV in 1985, like what are you trying to do by getting your message into this medium? And when we're talking about podcast interstitial stories, what we're trying to do is celebrate and burnish and showcase an element of a story that we've been telling with this sponsor maybe all year long and bring it to life in ways that raise awareness within our ecosystem that this sponsor is publishing part of the larger conversation, publishing with us, part of the larger conversation, has an appearance upcoming at a stage or an event, a recent podcast episode we drew from the onstage conversation, Awin Global had one of their experts on stage at one of our summits. and. We took some audio from that and we extended the value in the life of the money that they spent to be on stage at that summit by taking the best bits and saying, last month at the Modern Retail Summit, this person was on stage and we're going to hear a little bit from that conversation, which is about the following. And therein lay another way that this works as a marketing tool for our, our friends and our clients is that um, they often spend most teams spend a significant amount of marketing budget on being live and in person, especially now that we can again in a safe way. And I have seen the quotes in the trades from the CMOs, which are like, I spend a lot of money to put people on stages. And the minute they walk off that stage, it's then kind of up to fortune and a little bit of planning or headspace that we've spent on getting to meetings and, and connections. But that moment on stage is over. And at Digiday Media, putting people on stage is that's how the company started to, to a certain extent. We do that very well. We do it like nobody else in terms of production values, quality. But what we can now say is that moment on the stage is the beginning of your chance to tell your story to a number of audiences over, let's say, the next two months. Um, that's how my team generally approaches most of its work. It's to say, what is the collateral? especially audio, also video, but especially audio. What is the collateral that we've produced in this project? And where is there value that we haven't captured yet from it? That's where the full 360 degree picture of expertise begins to emerge. When you have a chance to walk around those interviews all the way and find all the bits that didn't make it to the page or didn't make it to the, the five minute video. Uh, so a long way of answering your question is that, you know, what do people, you know, how do you measure success of this? I'd say you measure it that way. You measure it by, yes, are you hitting that floor, that threshold of downloads that you need to justify to the, you know, accounting methods that, that show that your campaign is, that element is successful? Absolutely. But if it's only doing that, and it's not in some way 
being smarter than just a number driving four minutes for two weeks on somebody's podcast, then you might want to think about your criteria because I believe that it should be the central thesis of every sponsored content, every content marketing relationship between the agency that's creating it and the advertiser that's buying it, that we are looking for ways to continually surprise our audience with how many times you can matter in the space of 60 days or 90 days. Podcasts are another cohort that previously we weren't tapping and now we are. So you walk into the shop, we can get you on the page, we can get you on the stage, we can get you on the screen in terms of sight, sound, and motion, video, and we can put you in people's ears. Let's get to work. That's what we do. I'm joined today by James O'Brien of Custom, which is Digiday's in-house agency, Dr. James. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Great conversation. Thanks, Brian. Your show's great, and uh, you bring a lot of great material to the ears. So please keep it going. Grateful to you. Thank you again.